Hello, good evening. The Saturday edition is back after a couple of weeks on the sidelines and this is episode 52 with me, Charlotte Greenway, and it's Friday the 16th of September. A little bit later on, we'll look ahead to the action this weekend from Air's Western meeting, focusing on their feature race, the Air Gold Cup. But first, the decision that most of us had been waiting for in the racing world came sooner than expected, as William Haggis announced on Wednesday that, unfortunately, there would be no trip to Paris-Longchamp for Baïd for the Arc, and in fact, they would be sticking to their original plan of going for the champion stakes at Ascot. So then on Thursday, William took Nick through the thought process behind this decision since by its scintillating victory in the Judmont International at York. After the Judmont, you know, it was clear that he put up an improved effort uh, over a distance of ground. And, you know, uh, my immediate discussion with Shaker Hiss was, I'd like, Shaker Hiss said, I'd like to keep all op- options open, including the Arc de Triomphe. And then about 10 days later she really said you know I, I, re- I really fancy the Arc de Triomphe and I'm getting a lot of advice as we've all had and some very eloquent emails I've had and letters saying we should do this and that and, and, and people making very good cases for both scenarios stick at what you know and uh, step into the unknown um, so it, it's not been uh, straightforward but we had a conversation yesterday because Obviously, if we have to, if we're going to be training him for the arc, he needs a fast bit of work and a proper fast bit of work. But if he's not going for the arc, he doesn't need it yet. And that was really when we had to make a decision. And I felt that we'd, uh, faffed is the wrong word, but we, you know, it was still very open. And I think a, a, a cleaner, quicker decision is better for everyone. And Shaker uh, Hissa and I discussed it at length and then she obviously spoke to Angus and Richard. And uh, the conclusion was, I think we all agreed in the end that the champion was the right move. I was very keen to go for the champion. I have been all along. I didn't see, um, uh, you know, obviously we had quite a lot to gain if we were to win the arc, uh, uh, financially and in every respect. But the champion stakes, for me, is the right race. And now they've brought the rule in, especially uh, that, that if heavy ground is in the in the um, going description, they'll move it or they have the option to move it onto the jumps track. You know, a lot of people have, have talked about, uh, you know, how gutless we are for doing it. I don't know, we're gutless at all. We've got a marvellous horse and I'd love him to have his last race in front of uh, the British public on Kipco Champions Day. For this December's mare sale, Tassels have introduced the Scepter Session for the first time. Named after the four-time classic winning Philly Scepter, this will feature 75 elite fillies and mares. And over the last week, we've been given an insight into just how elite these mares are going to be with dual Group 1 winner Saffron Beach confirmed, as well as Desert Berry, the 13-year-old dam of this season's Epsom Derby hero, Desert Crown. Owned by Gary Robinson's Strawberry Fields stud, Nick caught up with Gary to find out why, after just producing a Derby winner, he felt this year is the right time to sell. Well, one, it's the ultimate to have a Derby winner. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, uh, but it's a good opportunity because I've now got the um, 
the family itself. And so she's young enough to produce probably six more foals at least. And it gives an opportunity to get the, the Strawberry Fields name out there. And it's, it is about um, uh, getting the name out. And we've now got uh, Roseberry, and she's in foal to a full, brother, uh, full sister to Nathaniel. Uh, and then we've got Archie Penko, uh, a filly as well, which is in pre-train at the moment and looks spectacular. I've got the full brother at home, Foal, so that's for next year's sales. And I've got a half-brother this year, Study of Man, who looks, again, magnificent, uh, by uh, Study of Man. Hopefully, we may even go training with that as well ourselves. So, uh, And I've also set up a new racing yard as well. So we can have the ultimate. We can breed and race our own. So that'll be exciting. Uh, and then I've got the other family lines that I'm creating at the moment. Okay, so so you're thinking, if I'm reading between the lines, what you're saying there is that because you've got other female descendants of Desert Crown's dam, you've got enough females in the family to keep to keep you going with that with that pedigree, whilst being able to make significant money. You hope from Desert Crown's dam to 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 invest in the other aspects of breeding and racing on the on the on the on the stable. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, and I'm I'm also putting another thirty acres down and a new barn and other items. And because we've got these good lines, I've also got to think about my age as well. I know I'm not young in this industry, but uh, we have to think that we have to always move horses on and on make sure that they've got good lives after they've been with us. So they're young enough to give other people value. And I know if they're highly value horses, they'll get looked after forever anyway. So that's a good thing. So, and I've got these young families here now uh, and young fillies that they'll be able to go on from there. And I'm quite confident now these bloodlines should work. The, well, they have worked. So, I've, And I've got two or three more to come out from other bloodlines using Ifrage. And I've got an older frog at home, and probably the last one in the world, I should think. Uh, so we'll go on to win the arc with that. So you can make a note there. Two, two years' time, wins arc. And... Uh, it's just a pleasure to have lots of family now and that it's that's what takes the time the 20 years to get that family all in position uh, uh, so I've got probably two families now and you haven't you haven't necessarily slavishly followed trends along the way either and it's it's borne you rich fruit if you were to sum up your philosophy that you've you've acquired and learned breeding horses what would it be now um first of all None of us know everything, so you've got to for, uh, do your basics and learn all the bloodlines, and then once you've got to that point, is introduce other people with their own theories, and then what are you doing it for? Well, I was doing it to breed a quality horse. I wasn't doing it to breed a sprinter. I mean, I do like sprinting practices as well, but I wanted a, a good mile to mile and a half horses. And uh, it gives both elements, which you've got stamina and speed. And that's what I wanted to do. And I always thought that was what horse racing was about. And I think a lot of the people in the real horse racing world would say that as well. They'd love, oh, I should think you do. There's nothing better to see a derby type horse than when it's got stamina and speed. And that's what we've been doing. Unfortunately, with like Desert Berry and a couple of the others that are out there, if the people had looked at the pedigree, they would have realised they'd got that last turn of foot. That's something that's inherent into that into the family. So you're doing both things when you're breeding. You're looking at 
how they are as a foal, how they run around the field. I've been watching that for a long, long while, and it's, hopefully, well, it will. It will come to fruition now that um, we've built the right bloodlines. Um, and you do have to get this uh, balance of female and masculine running through animals, and that takes time as well. Is it is it rude of me to ask how much you might expect for a, a mare like Desert Berry? Because it's such a rare commodity. It's quite difficult to put a value on, I'd have thought. Well, that is one of the reasons as well why I put it, I don't know. This is the hard, hard question, isn't it? I mean, you've got a chance of a, of a mare that's young enough to produce more, and she's in foal to a full brother to the Derby winner. It's a one-off, isn't it? It'll be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting. I haven't got a clue at this present moment. I, I should have. Everybody says you should value your own horses, but uh, I haven't. I wish I did. As much as possible, is that, Nick? Well, thank you very much, Gary. I hope whatever it does, whatever you do yield from, from the sale of, uh, of Desert Berry means that the farm will continue to expand and grow and that your investment in, in horse racing continues. Now on to the action from air this weekend where Charlie Fellows sends two horses on the long journey up north from Newmarket for the Air Gold Cup and he spoke to Tom Stanley on Tuesday morning about their chances. Yep, they're both gonna, the plan is to run both. Um, the dream back to form last time out uh, in a listed race at um, Newmarket. Interestingly, the handicapper for being beaten ahead in the listed race dropped her two pounds. The third and the fifth have gone and finished first and second at Donny in the listed race last week. So the form has been upheld. I was very surprised that she got dropped. I mean, annoyingly, the weights are out for the Air Gold Cup, so it hasn't made any difference to her weight <laughs> at, uh, on Saturday. Uh, but I just thought it was a, I thought it was a, a strange call. But she's in really good order. Um, the track will really suit her. I think a big field suits her. I wouldn't want the ground to dry out too much, but it's not going to. It should be beautiful. I'd say good ground by uh, Saturday, which is lovely. And I think the change from a visor to cheap piece has really helped her. I think the visor lifts her far, far, far too much in France. And Holly Doyle will ride her. That was my next she... question, because I know how yeah. busy we are on racing TV. There's there's plenty of meetings. Is, is this traditionally a, a tricky weekend, jockeys-wise? Do you know what they all are at the moment? Because Fair they enough. can only ride one. Because they can only ride at one meeting now a day. When you get five or six meetings on a on a weekend on a Saturday, which happens seems to happen very regularly now, it's it's not easy. I agree with the rule, but it's not easy. Um, but luckily, I think I'm sorted for the weekend, which is great. So um, Dolly, yeah, Dolly Hoyle will ride um, the Dream. Uh, Rotha Ryan, I can't swap the letters around. But it's the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah, does, that doesn't work. <laughs> Ross Ryan's going to ride Chief of Chiefs he is in cracking form he normally has a mid-season break um, and he hadn't had one this year and he ran flat as a pancake last time out which is very unlike him normally you can set your clock by him at Ascot um, he's had a little holiday since then this has been the plan he will love the ground we've always wanted to run him in this race but for various reasons it's just not happened uh, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Loves a big field. Six furlongs, perfect on decent ground. So uh, he seems in great order too. Equal chances, or is there one that's sort of sticking out in your mind with a better chance? No, do you know what? I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't split them. Uh, if I'm honest, I, I'd say both have very, very good chances. Um, 
I think both would be really suited by conditions. I, yeah, I, I genuinely, and that's not just trainer speak. I would, I would struggle to split the two of them, which is nice going to a big race like that. Also joining Charlie's runners in the feature sprint handicap is John Quinn's ultra tough, ultra consistent Mr. Wagyu, who in fact earned his highest rating post rating last weekend at the current of 111 at the age of seven. We're used to him reappearing pretty quickly after his runs and Nick just checked in with John this morning to see how he came out of last weekend. He's unbelievable. He came back from the the current on all the horses were back on, on, on Monday and we just gave them very light exercise on Tuesday just to see how they moved and Sastra uh, Zhingri who's one of my key men and a wonderful man um, he rides Mr Wagyu out <laughs> Mr Wagyu was trying to book him off which is unbelievable but he's a very tough horse and when he's in form he loves to run obviously we don't do a lot with him at home and uh, he loves to run he loves air and he's on his way up. Um, he was he, he he ran very well in in the Airgo Cup last year. Um, he's drawn fifteen, but he's in very good form. He's certainly got a chance, and he's a, he's a great horse for his owners to have, and he's got a constitution like a bullock. And finally, it seems appropriate to end this episode with Ryan Moore's words on the late Queen Elizabeth II's love of horses, racing, and winning. Riding for the Queen was. Um... Obviously, obviously just a, a massive privilege um she she loved being a owner breeder she she took um great pride in her horses and you could see when she came to the yard you know she'd always come in the spring i, I remember i have an image of her um holding the horse and stroking the horse she she loved being around her um her horses she knew them and uh she had a a great depth of knowledge of, of, of her horses and, and horse racing. And uh, I was incredibly lucky to, to ride for her since, since I was an apprentice. The Queen enjoyed winning. And uh, so having them with Sir Michael was a, was a good thing to do. Um, we, had, uh, we, had, we had lovely, lovely times. And um, yeah, always in the, in the springtime when she'd, she'd go to, to, to Richard's yard or, or um, when she came to Newmarket and we'd get to meet her with the other trainers and some of the other jockeys, it was all, they, were, they were great mornings and, um, you know, we have some fantastic memories. She, she was um, great to ride for. She, she took defeat very well. She was a great, you know, whatever the circumstances, she was always understanding. She, she knew... She knew the the pitfalls and all the things that could go wrong. Uh, look, I was very honoured to to um to ride for her for uh, I suppose twenty years. She, her, her impact on racing's been been huge, and well, her impact on on the world's been huge for a long, long time. So, very, very special lady, and um, I don't need to say it. I think everybody knows it. You can ev- everyone around the world is just saying good things. So. Yeah.